Good morning, and welcome to Cypress Bible Church. We are so glad that you're joining us, whether in person or online, for this very special opportunity to gather in life-changing worship and meet with the living God. Whether you're a first-time visitor or you have been a part of the CBC family for some time, you're welcome here as we all begin where we are and become more like Jesus. If you're visiting in person today, we would like to ask that you tear off the visitor card, which is the back portion of your worship guide, and fill that out. You can drop that in the offering receptacle as you leave and let that be your gift to us. We would love to know that you joined us for worship today. Before we begin our time of worship, I do want to bring your attention to just a couple of important announcements. First, I just want to remind you that as a church, we have set aside 30 days to seek the Father's heart for His church. Today is day number eight. It's not too late to join us. Each Monday morning, we send out a video devotional to help guide you. Then Tuesday through Saturday, we email a passage of scripture and encourage you to pray and meditate for 10 minutes on that theme. Together, let us seek to understand God's will. Secondly, we mentioned last week the start of the men's ministry series entitled Created for Relationship. Due to the need to create additional space for more men to attend, we have added an additional meeting day and time. Now, this series will meet both on Wednesday evenings at 6.30 p.m. and on Thursday mornings at 6 a.m. Please check out the church website if you want more information on this series. You can also sign up at the Welcome Center or contact Brian Carroll at the church office. The Living God, the one who created the heavens and the earth, the one who spoke them all into being and set them into motion, the one who is above all things and because of him they exist. He is the one that has invited us to meet with him and we respond. The God of the universe has reached out to us in spite of our flaws and our shortcomings. He reached out to us and continues to do so through the power of his son, Jesus, the ultimate sacrifice, the ultimate king. As we think about this, I want to ask us all to consider the words of King David in Psalm 8, 3 through 5. Here he says, When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is mankind that you are mindful of them? Human beings that you care for them. You have made them a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honor. Considering all that the Almighty has done for us and continues to do, how will we respond to Him? I invite you to come together with one voice and declare in worship, My God, how great Thou art. O oh Lord my God, when I in awesome wonder Consider all the worlds thy hands have made I see the stars, I hear the rolling thunder Thy power throughout the universe displayed Now sing it out Then sings my soul, my Savior God 
and a kingdom of peace. No other king could give his life for the redemption of rebels, his wealth to welcome the outcast. Jesus is that king, the king of glory, son of the living God. Not just another king, not just another prophet, not just another teacher. He was the one the world had been waiting for. The one to deliver us from captivity, the son of David and Abraham's chosen seed. He is the goal of the Mosaic law, Yahweh in the flesh. He is the one to establish God's reign and rule, to heal the sick, give sight to the blind, freedom to the prisoners, and proclaim good news to the poor. This Jesus was the creator come to earth and the beginning of a new creation. He embodied the covenant, fulfilled the commandments, and reversed the curse. This Jesus is the Christ that God spoke of to the serpent, the one prefigured to Noah in the flood, the one promised to Abraham, the one guaranteed to Moses before he died, the one promised to David during his reign, the one revealed to Isaiah as a suffering servant, the one predicted through the prophets and prepared for through John the Baptist. He is the Father's Son, Savior of the world, and substitute for our sins, more loving, more holy, and more wonderfully terrifying than we ever thought possible. He is our Jesus, and there is no other king like him. He is our God, our glory, our victorious Savior. There is no other king like him. There is no other king.
the Lamb had conquered death, and the dead rose from their tombs, and the angels stood in awe. One soul of all who come to the Father are restored, when the church of Christ was born, then the Spirit lit the flame. Now this gospel to the world Son, Holy Spirit, receive our praise this morning, Lord. That is our prayer. Lord, we offer this sacrifice of praise to you for your glory, for your honor. Lord, may it arise to you like a sweet aroma. Nothing worth more that will ever come close. Nothing can compare. You're our living hope. Your presence, and I've tasted and seen. Sweetest of loves, my heart becomes free, and my shame is undone. Your presence, Holy Spirit, you are welcome. Come flood and fill the atmosphere Your glory, God, is what our hearts long for To be overcome by Your presence There's nothing worth more that will ever come close. Nothing can compare. You're our living hope. Your prayer. 
News Network, where we take a bite out of history. We go anywhere in time to bring you the biggest stories. I feel very honored to have in our studio today the Apostle Paul. Paul, sir, thank you so much for coming. Welcome. My pleasure. Anything for the cause of Christ. 
I'd like to focus on part of your first letter to the Corinthian church. You teach about the role of the Holy Spirit helping us to fully understand Scripture. Yes, we need the help of the Holy Spirit because sin has confused our ability to fully understand the truth of God's Word. So to fully understand God's Word, we need the Holy Spirit. Yes, but let me be clear. Those who sincerely seek God will find Him. Jeremiah 29, 13 records that God tells us, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. And when people seek God with all their heart, they find Him. Yes, they find Jesus. At that moment, when they first believe and repent, they receive the Holy Spirit. And as believers, seek to understand God's Word, the Holy Spirit guides them to understand God's truth? Yes, think about this. The Holy Spirit guided people to write the Bible, and He guides us to understand the Bible. He will never guide you the wrong way. Yes, Jesus told His followers, Oh, there is so much more I want to tell you, but you can't understand now. When the Holy Spirit, who is truth, comes, He shall guide you into all truth. Yes, and the Holy Spirit guides us to live according to the Scripture. Just as you wrote in your letter to the Corinthians that the person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. Yes, the bottom line is you need the Holy Spirit to understand God's Word. God's wisdom may seem foolish to the world. Thank you, Paul, very much. It has truly been an honor. This truth that the world often sees God's wisdom as foolish takes us to a story that illustrates this point. This is a true story that happened during an international cross-country competition. Ivan Fernandez was a runner from Spain competing in the race along with Abel Mutai, a runner from Kenya. Abel was in first place but stopped short of the finish line, not understanding the sign showing where the finish line was. Ivan, the Spanish runner, shouted to Abel that the finish line was further ahead, but Abel didn't understand Spanish. So Ivan gently pushed Abel toward the finish line so that Abel would finish in first place. Ivan refused to take advantage of what was clearly a mistake on Abel's part. Many people thought Ivan's choice not to pass up Abel was foolish. Ivan chose to do the right thing and help Abel understand where the finish line was and finish in his rightful first place. A journalist asked Ivan, but why did you let the Kenyan win? Ivan replied, I didn't let him win. He was going to win. The race was his. The journalist continued to press Ivan why he hadn't just passed up Abel to win the race. Ivan looked at the reporter and said, but what would be the merit of my victory? What would be the honor of that medal? What would my mom think of that? Would my country have felt proud? When Ivan said, what would my mom think? This is much like when we ask ourselves, what would Jesus do? What would God think? Doing the right thing according to God often seems foolish to the world. So we have learned we need the Holy Spirit to understand God's word fully and to apply it to our lives. And we receive the Holy Spirit at the moment we believe in Jesus. And we also learned God's wisdom, like sacrificing to help someone else, seems foolish to the world, but it is right according to God. 
Now, in closing, we thought we'd share a segment that sums up how the world sees things and how Jesus sees things. We have a performer representing what the world says and a performer representing what Jesus tells us. Fight News is made possible by the Holy Spirit. Here is a word from our sponsor. The world says... Follow your heart. Jesus says... Follow me. The world says... Believe in yourself. Jesus says... Believe in me. The world says... Be true to you. Jesus says... Be true to me. I'm Conchita Morales, and I'd like to thank the Apostle Paul for joining our broadcast today. We'll see you next time, right here, somewhere in time.
even when I don't see it. Will you sing that? Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. We made miracle work. Promise keep light the darkness. My God, that is who you are. You are made. I uh, got to thinking about my philosophy class in freshman year of college, wondering how much I remembered. I certainly remember my professor, Professor May Stewart, uh, made an impact on my life. Uh, she also was, uh, the other course that she taught was Greek, and I had that in my second year with her. And um, I was one who tried to put the fun in philosophy. And uh, Professor Stewart, not a big fan of that. She had a wry smile whenever uh, I spoke or she looked at me, and that smile said, uh, you think you're funny, I think you're not going to do well in this course, is what that smile said. Uh, I was thinking about it because uh, Professor Stewart uh, died on December 30th this past year, and uh, she is in heaven, and she got to miss all of the fun that we're having here in 2020. I was uh, wondering what it was that I had uh, remembered in uh, philosophy, and uh, uh, of course, learning the Greek, I also discovered that philosophy came from two Greek words, uh, philo, love, one of the words for love, and uh, sophos, the word for wisdom, so it's a love of wisdom, and uh, 
looking back on learning ontology and epistemology and other branches of philosophy, all of which is uh, trying to answer these basic questions of where do I come from? Uh, What do I know? How do I know it? What is good? What is beautiful? How do I act? Those are the philosophical questions, the questions that are sought to be answered by various levels of reasoning and rationality. And those questions are still important today. They're important as they were uh, in ancient Corinth, as we are studying this uh, letter written by the Apostle Paul to the Corinthian people who were part of the church that he had founded. Uh, Paul had uh, gone there preaching the good news of Jesus into this uh, very important and secular city. And uh, he'd gone there in about 50 AD, spent 18 months, and in uh, the course of that time, some people had believed and turned from uh, their false beliefs and humanism, philosophies to uh, follow Jesus, and a church was formed. Paul planted a church there, and then after those 18 months, he, he went off to spread the gospel in other places and left those Christians behind. And then several years go by, and Paul hears that this church is struggling. And why are they struggling? Well, they are still being influenced by the worldview of their city. Uh, The Corinthian people had wealth. Uh, There were many poor, impoverished among them as well, but they were a wealthy city. They were arrogant in their approach to life. They were competitive. Uh, They were elitist. They were highly educated, and they were enamored with Greek rhetoric and philosophy. And so these new Christians were struggling because they were mixing in uh, this worldly wisdom and a philosophy with the truth of the gospel. And as a result, the church was divided. They were in conflict. We've seen that already. We'll see that more in the letter uh, as we go through it. And they acted selfishly. They had wrong views of sex and of marriage. Um, They... uh, were misusing the freedom that they had in Jesus, and so on. And so Paul wrote this letter to correct them. That's why I've named this series, as we go verse by verse through this letter, Corrected. Uh, These Christians were caught up in the philosophy and the immorality, the worldly reasoning that was around them, and this letter tells them how they must correct that, They correct their reason and their behavior through the wisdom of God. And it's a message that we still need desperately in our world today. That same problem occurs in uh, churches across this country and around our world and in the lives of Christians as well. Um, Last week, we started chapter 2. We did the first five verses of 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And uh, just to remind you that in the Greek culture of Corinth, Uh, it was common for professional speakers to be very highly sought after and prized. Those who had extremely logical and persuasive arguments uh, were were speakers that people loved, and uh, they liked that wisdom so much that they would pay guys who could speak really, really well. So if a speaker in Corinthian society was, was good, then the Corinthian people would become fans. They would follow his Twitter feed. They would subscribe to his YouTube channel. Uh, and, and yet Paul came into this place and, and refused to act in that way, to spread the gospel by impressing people. Uh, for people to, express, uh, to follow Christianity, 
because they were persuaded by human wisdom, would be a failure, Paul said. And so um, he refused to manipulate people into following Jesus and, and avoided eloquence. That's what we've learned so far. So now we come to chapter 2, verse 6 this morning, and Paul begins to talk about wisdom, and he talks about God's secret wisdom, which sounds very mystical to us. But there are three questions that uh, I want us to answer from this text today, and the questions are these. One, what is God's secret wisdom? See that in verses 6 to 9. Second, who receives God's secret wisdom? That's verses 10 to 13. And then why do you need God's secret wisdom? Finishes out the chapter. So I I would tell you that the answers to these questions should make all the difference in your life and in mine. Uh, to, To realize the vast importance and the great privilege that you have in belonging to Jesus and to knowing the wisdom of God. So let's uh, begin with that first question, what is God's secret wisdom? Verse 6 to 9. We do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. No, we speak of God's secret wisdom, a wisdom that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. None of the rulers of this age understood it, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. However, as it is written, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. Now, as Paul has pointed out uh, repeatedly already, there are two kinds of wisdom. There's divine wisdom, that's wisdom of God, and there's human wisdom, that's the wisdom of the world. And the church at Corinth went wrong because they were basing their approach to life, still basing their approach to life, on the wisdom of the world. And Paul rejects this and points to the church to true wisdom. And notice he says, I'm, t- I'm telling this among the mature. Now, I, I, I want you to understand, he's not talking here about a, an elite group of Christians who are spiritually on a different level than the other Christians. No, not at all. That's an easy mistake to make. That's not what he's doing. The Greek word translated mature is teleos, and it means complete. It means perfect. And this message is for the entire church because we are complete, we are perfected in Christ, Hebrews 10, 14. All who trust in the sacrificial death and glorious resurrection of Jesus are declared holy. We stand perfected in his righteousness, 1 Corinthians 1, 30. And so uh, God's wisdom is available, as he's speaking this wisdom to Christians, it's it's available, but it's a secret. It's a mystery. He uses both words, secret and mystery, mysterion. Uh, It's a mystery that God planned and prepared when? Before time began. It's not a mystery that can be solved by human intellect or reason. It's not a, a, a mystery that can be a secret that can be humanly decoded. Because even though philosophy is looking for answers to the deep questions of where do I come from and how should I live, they cannot solve those deep questions. And so the the mystery that is God's secret wisdom is this, as Paul's said uh, over and over again, is God's secret wisdom is that salvation comes through faith in Christ crucified. That's the secret wisdom of God. That's the secret of life. You see, worldly wisdom is about gaining meaning and value and salvation through intellect, through wealth, through success. 
It's salvation through human effort and human ability. But that's not the gospel. The the secret uh, wisdom of God is that salvation comes through Christ alone. It is all His doing. Uh, It is not human effort. It It is God's grace, the sacrifice of Christ. But this message of Christ crucified did not play very well in Corinthian society. It went against all their philosophies and their religions and their pride in human achievement. And that's why the Corinthian Christians were downplaying the cross. They, they weren't talking about it very much. It was too bloody, too degrading, too countercultural. It didn't fit in with the popular understanding of what God would do, any God would do. And so you had Jews and Greeks and Romans, uh, and they all had very different ideas in that world. The Jews were looking for a completely different kind of Savior. Uh, the Greek idea of glory and victory and power was, was the opposite of what crucifixion would be. No one could imagine that God would work in this way. Paul said that's what happened, and he says if the rulers of the world understood that, they would not have crucified Jesus. Now, who are the rulers of the world that he's talking about? He's talking about human rulers. Uh, Rome, the greatest government in the world of that day. Judaism, the highest religion in that world. Greece, the supreme culture of that world. And together they crucified the Lord of glory. And they never would have if they'd understood God's secret wisdom. Because that actually accomplished God's purpose in bringing eternal salvation for all who trust in the one sacrifice. And so Paul says, no eye has seen this, no ears heard, no mind is conceived this plan. Now, often we use this verse, or this is quoted in reference to, to what God is preparing for us in eternity in heaven. And that certainly is true, and there are other passages of Scripture that would talk about that, but that's not the emphasis that Paul is giving here. He's talking about something that's already happened in the past when he writes this. He's talking about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, uh, the crucifixion of Christ, uh, which was planned before time began, and, and that, that, that's already been revealed, and no one could have imagined it would have been this way. That's God's secret wisdom. A few years ago, Dr. Russell Moore reported uh, about a Christian publisher who had changed its preschool curriculum. So uh, Sunday school classes for preschool kids uh, had material, and this publisher changed that material. And what they did was they left out any mention of the death and resurrection of Jesus. The publisher then had to try and explain why they did this, and they said, and I quote, Easter is a special time of celebration and thankfulness, but because of the graphic nature of the Easter story, we've chosen not to include it. The crucifixion is simply too violent for preschoolers. And if we skip the crucifixion and go straight to resurrection, preschoolers would be confused. We're focusing on God's love and telling preschoolers that Jesus wants to be my friend forever. Well, A forever friend Jesus who is not crucified, buried, and resurrected does not save. If we don't talk about the cross, we shouldn't talk about Jesus at all. Is the gospel graphic? Yes. Might we want to condition that a bit for preschoolers? Perhaps. Is it disturbing? Yes. Does it sound ridiculous to the world? Yes. But it is the power of God for salvation to all who believe. Uh, Dr. Moore went on to say, Our children need to hear the gospel. I'm not saying it won't be scary. The gospel will disturb them. And if you understand it, it will disturb you too. And I agree. So, yes, God's secret wisdom is that salvation comes through faith in Christ crucified. 
That's the secret from before time began. And so in looking at these three questions, that's the answer to the first. So let's move to the second. Who receives God's secret wisdom? Who gets this knowledge that God had planned from the beginning of time? Well, verse 10. But God has revealed it to us by His Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the man's spirit within him? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. We've not received the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we may understand what God has freely given us. This is what we speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, expressing spiritual truths in spiritual words. Uh, two, three years ago, I took my, both my daughters and my one son-in-law to an escape room. If you're familiar with that, that's a, a room where they lock you in and you have an hour or so in which to solve all kinds of codes and puzzles and mysteries and clues to get out. And uh, nothing, I mean, they'll let you out if you don't solve it, but just to clear the tension there. So I, I felt pretty good. I mean, well, I'm going in with, uh, you know, somebody who has some expertise in the arts and somebody who has expertise in medicine and somebody who has expertise in law. And I have some expertise in theology. Mine didn't come in as handy as I'd hoped. Uh, but uh, we worked at that room and uh, solved all these codes and puzzles and mysteries and clues and whatnot. And not only did we get out before time expired, we, were the fa- we set the record for that room at that point, probably since been broken, but I don't like those people. So uh, we got out first. Now, what we solved was a mystery created by the human mind, and we did that by using human reason, our own minds as well. To understand the secret mystery of God, which is coming from the mind of God, we must have that revealed by the mind of God. It can't come about by human philosophy and reasoning. That's Paul's whole point here. God's secrets are only revealed by his spirit. The spirit of God, the third person of the Trinity, reveals the mind of God. Only the Holy Spirit makes it possible to understand what even top minds in this world cannot see or accept. Now, there's not some elite group of Christians who have secret knowledge from God that other Christians do not have. There are two groups of people in this world, as described here, those who follow the spirit of the world and those who have received the spirit of God. And the difference is not social status or wealth or whatever the world declares valuable. The difference is the reception of the Holy Spirit. And all Christians have received, that, that, the tense of that verb, there's an aorist tense, which means uh, this, this has happened in the past. It's referring back to when these Christians put their faith in Jesus. That is when you received the Spirit. Paul's writing to those who've already believed, who've already trusted in Jesus as the Savior of the world. And he says, you have received, we have received the Spirit of God. The moment you place your faith in Christ alone, God gives his spirit in you. The Holy Spirit of God lives in you. Your body is God's temple. And when you believe, the Holy Spirit becomes a permanent resident in your life. And many wonderful things are true because of that. But the one that's emphasized in this passage is illumination, enlightenment, that the Holy Spirit reveals the things of God to you. Now, the the reason this is important for Corinth is because that this church was dividing itself between those that they saw themselves as super spiritual and those who were just uh, average spiritual people. It was dividing itself among those who displayed these spectacular spiritual gifts 
and those who were just average in their giftedness. And Paul makes it clear, no, that there is no such division. Everything is by the grace of God. You have all received the Holy Spirit. Uh, And so therefore, here's the point of, of answering this question. The deep things of God are revealed by the Spirit to all Christians. Who knows and who has this secret wisdom of God? All Christians, because it comes by His Holy Spirit. It is the Spirit who enlightens us to understand God. And without the illumination of the Spirit, human beings couldn't even begin to dream up what God had planned. Who could have guessed that the Savior would die on the cross and rise from the grave uh, after three days to secure new life for those who believe? But when the Spirit of God, uh, God the Spirit, knowing the thoughts of God, when that Spirit illuminates the human heart, then we're transformed by this amazing truth. And the same Spirit who transforms you also enables you to understand the things of God. The moment you come to Jesus, the Holy Spirit lives in you and gives you insight into God's truth. He's there to help you see and understand and apply all that God has revealed about himself. The Spirit teaches you and reminds you and guides you and gives you wisdom and reveals the deep things of God. This is not some special gift given to some but not others who believe. No, the same Spirit who lives in you lives in me if you belong to Jesus. So that's uh, the second question answered. Who receives God's secret wisdom? All believers, because it comes by the Holy Spirit. Let's go to the third question. Why do you need God's secret wisdom. Why do you need this? What's the point? Well, some of that's very obvious, but let's look at the final verses. Verse 14, the man without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, for they're foolishness to him, and he can't understand them, because they're spiritually discerned. The spiritual man makes judgments about all things, but he himself is not subject to any man's judgment. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Again, Paul's talking about two types of people here. One without the Spirit and one with the Spirit. The unspiritual and the spiritual. These are not two categories of Christians. Please get rid of that concept from your mind here. Uh, This is talking about those who don't belong to Jesus and therefore do not have the Spirit of God, and those who do belong to Jesus and have, therefore, the Spirit of God. The unspiritual are not Christians. And it says, uh, when he says, uh, the one without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, that's uh, an habitual present tense. This accepting, does not accept. And that means this is the continuing characteristic of this person without the Spirit, is that they don't receive the truth of God. That's their continuing characteristic. On the other hand, the person who has the Spirit knows that Christ crucified is what it's all about. That that's the, the, Jesus is the center of everything. And when you don't understand God's truth, It's not because you lack intelligence. It's not because you lack education. It's because you lack the Holy Spirit, meaning you are not yet a believer. Now, does that mean we can't, we, 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 
know everything perfectly immediately. No, no, no. There's this progressive growth. This, there's this need that we have to, to ha- allow the Holy Spirit to fill our lives and to listen to Him and to uh, soak in, his, in, in the Word of God and to, and to seek Him uh, in every way possible. Uh, but um, if you don't have the Holy Spirit, you're not yet a believer. So that's, uh, that's a reason why God's secret wisdom is pretty important. Uh, Dr. Richard Dawkins, I believe I mentioned him several weeks ago. He's a philosopher, a former Oxford professor, uh, an atheist, well-renowned atheist, written uh, many, many uh, books such as The God Delusion. And uh, he once, uh, several years ago, tweeted this. He said, hey God, why not lose the crucifixion and cut straight to the forgiving? Nah, spoils the plot, bad for ratings. Now this is a consistent theme with Dr. Dawkins, who is a brilliant man. And that is that, you know, this whole thing about the crucifixion makes zero sense. Certainly God, if there was a God, could come up with a far better way to bring salvation and forgiveness to the world than this ridiculous crucifixion. See, Dr. Dawkins is a a living illustration, as are many, of what the Apostle Paul says here about how uh, the the gospel, the, the good news of Jesus, seems ridiculous to the world. It makes no rational sense to the human mind. It simply appears ridiculous unless and until the Holy Spirit reveals the truth to you. And without the Spirit of God, the greatest foolishness there is, is the cross of Jesus. The sacrificial death of God's Son seems nonsensical apart from the Spirit. Without the Spirit uh, having enlightenment into your life, you aren't able to discern the mind of Christ. When you have that, you accept Jesus' death and resurrection as the only solution for your sin. Uh, The basic message of the cross is good news when, when you have the, the mind of Christ that you embrace gratefully and desperately because the Spirit has revealed it to you. And every believer has the Spirit. So you need God's secret wisdom to be a Christian. That's why you need it. But there, there's more than that. Certainly you need God's secret wisdom to be a Christian. The Spirit who illumines you to understand the wisdom of, of Christ crucified. Now, what I, I want to sum up this passage with these words, that through God's secret wisdom, you have the mind of Christ. This answers the question, begins to answer the question, why do I need God's secret wisdom? Well, because you have the mind of Christ as a result. Now, I, I, uh, I've been visiting the uh, ophthalmologist uh, a fair bit recently. And uh, in fact, just this week, I... Uh, was getting ready to see the ophthalmologist. They were putting me through some tests, and uh, uh, the uh, woman who was uh, putting me through my paces there pointed at the wall, uh, said, uh, you know, with your glasses off, uh, how, which lines can you read? I've been through this drill before, but uh, I said, you know, I, 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 I can't read them. And she said, well, you know, right there, how about, how about the, you know, the biggest line? No, I said, I can't, can't do it. She said, well, what about that one big giant letter right there? What, what's that one? I said, well, uh, I can guess what it is because I've taken this uh, before, but I, I can't see it at all. And she's like dumbfounded that I couldn't see this giant letter on the wall. And I said, you know, really, that's why I'm here. And uh, so we, we, we're, we're fixing that, and uh, without my glasses or without my contacts, I can't see very well. Uh, what we ha- Once you are a Christian, God's secret wisdom must be the lens through which you view all of life. That must be the lens through which you view all of life. Understanding the things of God is not about trying harder. Because really, that, that woman said, try harder. 
maybe she shouldn't work there. I don't know. I couldn't see without a Understanding the things of God is not about trying harder. It's not about becoming more intellectual. It can only happen through the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is your constant teacher. He takes the inspired Word and all of the gifts of God and sheds light on the person and character of God so that you can grow to be more like Jesus. The Holy Spirit provides everything you need for life and godliness. And so therefore, through God's secret wisdom, you have the mind of Christ. That's what Paul says. Well, what does that mean? Well, just a few of the things that Paul says in this passage is that when you're, you are able to recognize what's from God. That with the mind of Christ, you can see, well, that's from God and this is not from God. You have that kind of discernment. Secondly, you can avoid making wrong judgments based on human values. So Plato and his philosophy tried to come to what is the chief good that we can attain. Well, well God says you can't come at that through human wisdom, uh, but, but you can by having the mind of Christ, the wisdom of God. Third, you're able to grow in your understanding of Scripture. That's why you need the, 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 the mind of Christ in order to understand the Scriptures in a way that will cause you to grow and to keep your trust in God. Uh, fourth, you, you can discern between God's wisdom and, and worldly wisdom. What God says is right and what the world says is right. And fifth, you can refuse to be defined by the judgments of others. That's what Paul says here. It's like uh, others who are going to judge you based on worldly wisdom, that, that's no big deal. What's important is what God has said about you. And then uh, finally, you're able to evaluate life through the lens of Christ crucified. You realize that the gospel of Jesus, his death, burial, and resurrection, is not just something that you know once and that's it. No, this is how all of life must be viewed. That is the secret wisdom of God. And if you know and believe that, then every area of your life, from marriage and parenting to how you are a worker to how you do politics and all the rest of it, must be viewed through that lens. Otherwise... You're dealing with worldly wisdom. Now, I'm sure you'd all agree that the internet contains a, an amazing amount of information. Uh, I, I belong to three libraries, the Harris County Library Online and to two research libraries, and I'm always just amazed at how much knowledge there is at my fingertips, to be able to search historical, scholarly things that are just so obscure, and, and it's just amazing. And the internet is full of, of if we, a recent estimate says that the, uh, the web is just over one million exabytes in size. Now, an exabyte is one billion billion bytes. That's one exabyte. So, uh, and, and I also read that uh, if you were to download the entire web, it would take approximately 11 trillion years. So I hope you have unlimited data on your plan. Now, of course, everything on the internet is not knowledge. But still, that is a lot of information, an incredible amount of information. And while it may seem to be vast beyond comprehension, it's not infinite. In fact, you could store all of that data, every TED Talk, every course syllabus, every book, every Facebook rant, every cat video, on two terabyte hard drives, roughly about this size, it would take about a half million of them. A half million, two terabyte hard drives. And you could store all the information on the internet there. And you say, well, how much is that? Well, all of those hard drives could easily fit into one large room the size of your local grocery store. Imagine that for a moment. The breadth of human knowledge can be stored in a space where you shop for groceries. But to all who believe, God has entrusted the mind of Christ. 
You are God's temple. You are a room in which the Spirit of God lives. The wisdom and knowledge of God revealed in you. The unsearchable riches of Christ flowing through you. And that should not fill you with pride. It should fill you with awe and confidence in Almighty God. And it should motivate you to look at everything through the lens of the Gospel because you have the mind of Christ, the secret wisdom of God. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for all that you have revealed to us by your Spirit. Lord, I would pray this morning that for anyone who does not understand the gospel, who is curious and clueless about what this means, that today would be the day they would turn from their human reasoning and their human effort for salvation and turn to Christ alone. Uh, Lord, for every one of us who names your name, may we glory in the cross of Christ. May we exult in your wisdom given to us by your Spirit. May we depend upon you every single day to discern our world and how you call us to live. And I pray this in the name of our precious Savior, Jesus. Jesus. Amen.
uh, are now in the second week of our Focus 30 Days of Prayer, and this week uh, we are remembering and meditating and praying uh, uh, about the will of God because we have the mind of Christ. And as we've heard this morning, the mysteries of God's wisdom revealed to those who love Him, uh, this week... Would you spend some moments praying and meditating on that truth, asking God to reveal himself to you? One of the ways in which we need the wisdom of God is just to see how we look at other people, to know that we have a God who cares about lost people, and that we would have that heart for the lost, that God is not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. That we would have this uh, viewpoint, the wisdom of God, the mind of Christ as we see each other and the differences that are uh, between us in some ways, and yet to be able to look beyond that uh, for the beauty of the cross. So uh, this week, pray, uh, seek the, the mind of Christ, use the mind of Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. Receive this benediction from 2 Corinthians. Now the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all forever. Amen. God bless you.